Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us here on a Feedback Friday. we got a bunch of your points of view we're going to be getting to later in the show. So be sure and stick around for that. All right, as of late, we've been talking a lot lately about the food supply chain and what we can be doing to, here's a novel idea, put American beef first. Let's eat and consume American beef first rather than importing foreign beef. So as our food supply chains and meat packing plants are dealing with these COVID issues, one local rancher is doing their part to help us buy and eat local. As COVID-19 began to break out, meat processing plants began to churn into hot spots for the spread of the virus. President Donald Trump this week announced these plants are essential and must reopen, as some of the larger ones closed due to safety concerns. An example, the Smithfield Pork Processing Plant in Sioux Falls. Lacey Block is a sixth-generation rancher from Havana and owner of Ranchers Rebellion Beef Company. She says she's had to think of new ways to bring in money. This has to be about the last-ditch effort on how how to make your ranching operations profitable while you're trying to fight a marketplace that's not set up for success right now for producers. On Thursday, Block and her dad packed a trailer full of meats and came to Fargo to deliver farm fresh cuts directly to those that wanted to buy them. People lined up at the old Kmart parking lot while maintaining six feet to buy anything from T-bone steaks to soup bones. It's a good time just to get back to our roots and, and try to buy local and try to buy from our from our farmer neighbors and, and produce from our gardens that are local rather than supporting the global machine at this point. David Belke says not only is he happy to support a local business, but also knowing where the meat he's serving his family came from is at the top of his list. We think it's very important even after this pandemic and before that country of origin labeling should be back in place and maybe even specific state because all I'm looking for today is North Dakota beef. Ranchers Rebellion Meat is in four gas stations across the state. Block says she saw the need for farm fresh meats in the city as store shelves were coming up empty. According to a federal report, beef production was down 25%. We don't want you guys to feel like there's a shortage. We want people to be comfortable and we want people to eat USA raised beef. Block says her prices will remain the same even if prices at big retailers increase. In Fargo, Alexandra Kay, Valley News Live. I love that. Great job. The ingenuity, ingenuity of our great farmers and ranchers. You heard that one gentleman there say, hey, look, all I'm looking for is North Dakota beef. Sounds good to me. Also, somebody put up on our Facebook page, apparently there's a thing called the Prime Act. It's called the Prime Act, which could help us also process and utilize more of our uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, American beef first. So love to know your thoughts on that. All right, on Wednesday, I had a chance to interview Nadim Khan with the UND School of Medicine to, to really talk about how COVID-19 affects your body from a medical perspective. So I wanted to play this for you because in the pursuit of facts, not fear, it's an outstanding interview for you. So please enjoy. Though we might be dealing with a new normal because of this COVID-19 situation, but the question is how does COVID-19 really infect the body and what kind of immunity can we develop against it? So joining us now to answer those questions and much, much more, we've got Nadeem Khan, an assistant professor at the UND Medical School and an expert in lung inflammation diseases. Nadeem, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Um, let's just start with kind of the, the basics of, for someone that has coronavirus, how does it impact their body and more specifically uh, their lungs? So uh, I will answer your question in two parts. So if you if you compare coronavirus disease with say seasonal flu, 
Uh, so seasonal flu uh, initiate an upper respiratory tract. And in most of the individuals, the disease is self-limiting. It ends up causing symptoms like mild fever, rhinorrhea or running nose, uh, mild headache, and, and et cetera. Uh, what happens in the case of COVID-19, uh, that the virus has very little affinity for upper respiratory tract. So the virus directly gets into lower respiratory tract and affect your lungs. And which is why, although both seasonal flu and COVID-19 might present a similar or overlapping symptoms, uh, COVID-19 patients have the symptoms which are more uh, intense and persistent. Uh, as far your second part of your question, uh, uh, how it impacts our body. So to explain in simpler term is that our immune system overreacts to the virus and uh, it develops a much larger immune response that is actually needed to fight out the virus. And in, in scientific terms, we call it actually a cytokine storm. And this excessive and overreactive uh, immune response uh, leads to causing significant lung damage and pneumonia of, of varying severity. So how do you contract it? I've heard from different people that some doctors that, you know, you've got to be, for example, in a closed room for you know, 15 minutes or more, pretty small area if it's going to be just through the air, for example. But the main way is that, you know, I touch something and then I end up touching my face. I mean, what are the main ways of contraction and how do I prevent that? Well, the main ways of contractions are uh, the respiratory droplets. Suppose so if you get in, in contact with a patient or a carrier, and if they are coughing, they're sneezing, they actually exhale respiratory droplets. And those droplets actually can hang in, in, in air for some time, although we do not know uh, much about that, that how long they can persist in air or they may not. Uh, they could be on, on surface. So if you touch the surface and you touch your face with your fingers, so, so you can then actually you know, inhale those droplets. So uh, in a nutshell, the infection is, is actually you know, transmitted through those uh, respiratory droplets, and a person can actually acquire those droplets, droplets in different ways. So, do it mean? But do I need to be like in a room with somebody pretty small and then inhale those droplets? I mean, it's give me a better idea because you know we, for example, go out to a store now. There's all these different people that we don't know if they're infected or not, but they're in stores. If I'm within 15 feet, I know we've got the six foot social distancing. Give us some ideas there, please. Yes. Yeah, so, if, as long as if you are eight feet apart six to eight feet apart and you're distant, that should be okay. But then the chances of the, the infection are very high when you are in close contact, you are spending more time with infected people or courier, and you are continuously inhaling uh, the air that is you know, circulating. So more closer you are uh, in, a, in a room or in a place with infected or a courier, more chances of infection. But as long as you're maintaining, you are, you know, you're maintaining six to eight feet of distance and you have just, just a brief kind of, you know, exposure to, to patient, then it should be okay. Um, the other thing that I haven't heard a lot of conversation about is things that people can be doing to build up their immunity system. So if I'm doing things to do that, keeping my blood alkaline, for example, things of that nature, will that help it to protect me from contracting COVID-19 or no? Well, uh, so anything that 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 you know kind of boost your, your immune system and uh, definitely improve the chances of, of fighting out the disease 
So, for instance, anything, say, vitamin C. Vitamin C is generally a kind of enhancer of the immune system. So, yes, of course, the, the food or supplements that can enhance the immune, your immune system, they can definitely help in, 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 in uh, you know, fighting out the disease. But again, you know, these are not uh, tested, and we do not know for sure with the full clarity that, you know, how, how they can actually, you know, uh, prevent the infection. Let's get your thoughts on this. I, mean, I had a young woman actually from UND on my other show, and she had it and then went and got tested positive for the uh, IgG antibodies. Um, any thoughts on you know using that plasma or treatment for COVID-19? Well, there are some, uh, some trials, clinical trials, in which they are using uh, convalescent plasma, so people who have recovered from COVID-19 disease, they're using the plasma to treat the COVID-19 patient. Uh, we do not know a real success of that treatment yet. Uh, the clinical trials are still underway, so we should be having more data coming in shortly, and maybe in a month or two, we should have more clarity about how effective that plasma treatment is in treating COVID-19 patients. Wow, thank you for that. Nadeem, I mean, I, I could talk to you for hours. I've got about a minute left. Anything else that you'd like to share with our audience that you think they should know? Well, uh, I think the other thing I wanted to uh, say that uh, people who are at risk actually, so the information from CDC is Critical Center for Disease Control. And if you look at the information from CDC, it clearly suggests that people who are older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions, they are particularly at higher risk for developing severe form of COVID-19. And based on what we know, actually, people at high risk are people who are 65 years or older, people who live in, in nursing homes or long-term care, care facilities, and people with uh, chronic lung disease and other uh, comorbidities. So. So keep checking, you know, the information from Center for Disease Control for more information. Just for clarity, Nadim, would they be more at risk because as you get older, your immune system's not as strong? Or what, what, do, you, what do you see as the reason behind that? So your immune system uh, may not be as strong. Also, your immune system uh, may not be fully regulated. So you may, you may actually initiate an immune response, but you may not be able to tell your immune system at what point to stop or to put a pause button. So you generate an immune response to virus, and then you keep amplifying, amplifying, amplifying that response, and that leads to causing significant lung damage and pneumonia of, of uh, significant severity as a consequence. Wow, fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. We'd love to have you back, okay? You're welcome. Thanks, Chris. Good stuff there from the Dean. So thank you very much for your time and your insight on that. And be sure and stay with us. We've got a bunch of your points of view coming up later in the show. So stick around for that. Please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.